Reds Nation. What's happening? My name is Brent Perlman. Welcome to the inaugural Reds Pulse Podcast. I am presented to you by Pulse Podcast Network. Uh, we range from anything from lifestyle podcasts to if you have a team and you support them, look for them. I'm sure if they're not up there now, they will be eventually. But anyway, here on the Reds Pulse, we will talk everything for the Reds today. We'll worry about the Reds tomorrow and the glorious future that lies before us as a Reds fan. A little bit about me. Again, as I said, my name is Brent Perlman. Uh, I grew up in Blue Ash, Ohio. Uh, I played baseball pretty much my entire life. Um, up until about, you know, at the end of high school when people who were really good started to really become much, much better. And I obviously didn't put in the time or the effort. So here I am now, you know, being a uh, a jabber jaw about it, just talking about it instead of putting in the effort. But anyway, I'm a huge baseball guy. Always followed the Reds ever since I was young. Still go to about... Man, I can't even count how many Reds games each year. It's a joy every time, no matter how well they're doing. Um, it's just something that's been a part of my life forever, and I love talking about it. Uh, I do have to say, though, I am just a fan. I am not an insider. But as a sports degenerate, if I bet on it, then in that case, somehow I do become an expert just because there's money, it just, I don't know, I can't really explain it very well, but when I bet on something, I become an expert, but if I'm just saying something, I'm not, so you can't hold me to it. It's hard to describe, but um, unfortunately for you guys, you guys will really just have to deal with it. But that's probably the nice part about it, the whole thing. Uh, so anyway, you know, too much about, probably about me already, so we'll jump right into it. We'll jump right into kind of uh, talk about last year and how it ended up. So the Reds kind of obviously ended poorly, 67 and 95. Um, you know, when I was really looking at the numbers and going back over last year, one of the things I found really interesting was that they really, really struggled um, away from Great American Ballpark, um, which was interesting to me because they really had a rough pitching staff. And we'll hopefully get into the pitching staff a little bit, but I know. Um, I have that slotted here for next week to really get into the pitching. But you would think a great American with the pitching staff, they'd really struggle. Um, but they were 37 and 44. Not terrible, but obviously not uh, you know impressive by any stretch. Um, but away is really probably where you would say they really you know didn't hold up to their standards. 30 and 51. Um, so that, that I guess that has some signs of of um, interest that they, they like to play in front of the home ballpark and they really show up for their fans. So, you know, I'm, al I'm always on board with attending a Reds game, but um, I think that does show you a little bit that these players, um, you know, do care about this city a little bit. They care about the franchise and, um, the, you know, I, I, the numbers would tell you they play a little bit harder um, not much, but a little bit harder at home. So, you know, that's a nice thing. And the other thing I obviously had to bring back up, you know, looking at last year was, man, Brian Price. I mean, how the Brian Price experiment. I mean, they gave him 18 games. Now, granted, he went 3-15, and 15, but 18 games. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, if you were going to give a guy 18 games, you, know, you probably knew you weren't going to keep him. You know, why, why not let him go and 
I don't even care if you had Riggleman there the whole year. It just it probably didn't help the clubhouse. It didn't help a bunch of things. Now, having said that, 3-15 and 15, that doesn't necessarily say, hey, I deserve to keep my job. But uh, an 18-game to begin the season and then you're out is it was kind of rough. But, man, he real, they really struggled under Brian Price. I don't know if he didn't reach the players enough. Um, and they obviously responded much better to Riggleman. Um, you know, maybe it was just because it kind of lit a fire under their ass. But, um, you know, they definitely came back and uh, and put on uh, a little bit of a better performance there for, for Jim Riggleman. But anyway, as the year, when you look at all the statistics offensively for the Reds, um, I'll kind of get into it here in a minute. But you, you look at the numbers and... Um, you know, offensively, they really, you know, they, they didn't really have anybody uh, below, you know, 250. You know, 250 was really where everyone batted. I mean, I'm going to exclude Billy Hamilton because I'm going to talk about him here in a little bit, um, who batted 239. who was just brutal. He had, uh, I'll get into his stats here in a minute, but I mean, that, that, that whole part of the lineup really had to have killed us. And even with that, we still... Know, put up some great offensive numbers, so I think that'll be interesting to follow now that hopefully we have an even better lineup. You know, for instance, you know, our lineup, our most common lineup, you can probably switch Winker and Shebler, um, but the most common lineup they had last year was Shebler, Barnhart, Vado, Jeanette, Suarez, Winker, Peraza. Then, of course, they did that pitcher before Hamilton thing. Uh, that I, I don't expect to see any more for the Reds. I think they'll bat the pitcher in the nine hole from now on, especially with Hamilton gone. But I mean, you look at the years. You know, Peraza batted 288 all year. You know, I mean that's that's impressive. You know, for for a rather you know still young guy, 24 years old, played 157 games, 630 excuse me, 683 plate appearances. Um, you know, that's, uh, that's a whole heck of a lot. Um, you know, drove in a bunch of runs, drove in 58 runs for a, for a shortstop, you know, not necessarily an offensively gifted shortstop. Did really well. Jeanette, I mean, obviously killed it for the Reds at the highest batting average of 310. Votto was down about 284. Um, I expect that to climb a little bit, although his defensive numbers will slip as he gets older. Um, but you know, that lineup last year was pretty good, but now you look at what this projected lineup is going to be coming up in 2019. You got Jose Peraza. They say will 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 lead us off Jose Peraza, Scooter Jeanette, Joey Votto in the four hole. We'll have Suarez. They say after Suarez, we'll go Kemp, who by the way, batted 290 last year, you know, for an old Wiley veteran. That ain't bad. Then they'll go Winker. Who again last year? Winker batted 299. He almost batted 300, ladies and gentlemen. That kid is on the right path. So you'll go Kemp, Winker, and then in the seven hole, you'll go Puig. Um, I was looking up some of his numbers in uh, Los Angeles, um, and they really didn't put him at the top of the order. I'll be interested to see if the Reds kind of play around with that, hopefully, keep him engaged a little more. Um, cause Puig's a guy they can move all around this, this lineup. So that'll be interesting to watch. Then obviously you go, uh, Tucker, um, and then the pitcher, um, you know, bringing up Tucker real quickly, I'll say this. I'm not a fan of the, uh, JT real Muto trades. I, I 
has nothing to do with him. I think JT's a top three, you know, offensive catcher, probably top ten defensive guy. I think he's great. Um, I just think the Reds have a lot of other needs. Um, and and of the four prospects, um, whether it's Hunter Green, India, um, Senzel, or Trammell, the only guy I'm really willing to give up for somebody right now who could help the club would be really India. The other three guys I'd really like to see develop, and, and I'll elaborate that on, you know, we got plenty of time here in the offseason, but um, I, I'm hearing for real Muto, or I'm reading, I should say, um, that they're going to want somebody other than just India, and, th- and that scares me. Um, I really th- think Senzel and Trammell are really going to be you know, I wouldn't call them all-stars, but I think they're going to pan out for the Reds, and they've waited and waited for them. I can't even imagine how many trade offers in the past two years have come up that they've, um, you know, taken calls on for those guys, and now these guys are ready to blossom. Um, so the idea for me, and I, and I understand the idea of a prospect isn't as sexy as a major league ball player who's played, um, you know, and, and has the numbers in the major leagues. I just... I guess you can call me a sucker for these guys. Um, I just think that they're going to be hopefully really solid for the Reds. And if you do move them, you you better get, you know, you better get a Cy Young guy, in, in my opinion. And and you won't, and you won't. So I, I, that's why I wouldn't move them. Um, but we'll see. So uh, we'll talk about some more of the the Reds moves and what they might make uh, next week. We'll get into some of that along with some other stuff, obviously. Um, so that was pretty much my simple outlook for last year and what I think the lineup will look like uh, next year. Again, I th- my guess as of right now, the lineup will go Peraza, Jeanette, Vado, Suarez, Kemp, Winker, Puig, Barnhart, and then your pitcher. And and really, when you read back, look over that, you, you put Kemp's, um, you know, you put Kemp's average in front of Shebler's. Um, you know, it's... 45 point excuse me 35 points higher um you know I'll take that every day Puig I mean this is really what the the joke it is Puig is going to you know bat let's say he batted 267 last year now who's he taking place for obviously Billy Hamilton Billy Hamilton hit 239 last year okay 239 and that was one of his top 2 top one batting season of his career. Um, and among that, he was second on the ball club in strikeouts, only to Adam Duvall, who was terrible for the Reds this past season. Had some good year, had a good year a year or two ago, um, but last year was just terrible. Um, and his on-base percentage, one of the fastest guys in baseball, his on-base percentage was 299. 299. He couldn't get a walk. Couldn't bunt the ball. Drove me crazy. You can probably already tell. I'm going to get into some Billy Hamilton talk here in a minute. But, I mean, to trade that out for Puig is is absolutely essential. And and the fact that we're going to be able to, um, you know, hopefully expand on that whole Dodgers move is, is very enticing. But just that alone, the lineup's better. Obviously, the pitching has gotten... <clears throat> excuse me, has gotten better. So I really think that that is going to be incredible for the Reds in terms of just their offensive production. 
Um, I think you're going to see a whole heck of a big ball club when you know that nine hole isn't a straight out. That's a big deal in a dugout. It it, it motivates guys. Um, it's just going to be exciting to watch, as the Reds will be. The Reds will be exciting to watch in 2019. I have no doubt about that, whether good or bad, whether good or bad. Um, anyway, so in the first podcast, I thought I'd do a quick – I like to do top three, top fives. You'll probably find out over the next um, couple podcasts with me if you, if you choose to enjoy it. Uh, so this week, I thought I'd do a top three of the off-season moves that the Reds make this year. Now, when I do top three, top five, I always put them in order. You can't give – I, I don't do the Mount Rushmore or, you know, the four and you don't rank them. It's got to be ranked. So I rank them. I put my I put my soul onto this. So here's what I got. We'll start with number three. The number three best move the Reds made this offseason, in my opinion, was getting Sonny Gray. Sonny Gray was really fantastic when he started out in Oakland. Had a had a Cy Young type year. Um, I'm unsure. I can. I can create some dead air and look up if he ended up uh, getting this Cy Young. I don't believe he did, but I won't waste your time either. Um, I do think Sonny Gray is one guy at the end of the year you'll be able to isolate his numbers, and I think it will correlate to how the Reds did. Not directly, but if Sonny Gray can put together 15 wins, um, you know, even 12, 13 wins, I think the Reds are going to be in a much better place than where they're projected. Now, the flip side of that is if Sonny Gray can't win you know, eight games, and he's just, you know, getting shelled at Great American, um, that's going to be a problem. That's going to be a problem. Not a problem that you need to uh, – it's an emergency because um, especially with him being with his new pitching coach that he's loved from college and all that jazz, um, he'll still be able to hopefully work it out eventually, uh, knock on wood. But um, – you know, I just think Sonny Gray is somebody who really is going to need to pan out for this all this offseason to really look good. So that's where I'll go with number three. Surprisingly, number two, I'm going to go with that big Dodgers move. And I say surprisingly because I think people would say, well, that was clearly their big blockbuster move. And I think you would probably have an argument there. But getting Wood, who's probably a top one or two guy in the in the rotation this year, is huge. Puig, as I mentioned earlier, those numbers to just switch him out with Hamilton or Shebler. Um, he, you know, his offensive numbers last year were, you know, much much better than those guys. And to just make be able to make that that switch is going to be so key. Um, and even Kemp, you know, I think Kemp at the beginning of the year they'll see how productive he is and where the Reds stand at that point. And uh, from there they'll be able to kind of make the moves that they'll have to or look into the moves, I should say, with Wood, Puig, and Kemp because these are all guys that can quote-unquote walk at the end of the year. So, um, you know, if some of these guys aren't getting playing time, if they're not, if the, if the Reds aren't in the race, you know, if multiple things align, they're going to be looking to move these guys. Um, so that's really my main reason for not making that the most important thing the Reds did was, um, you know, that, that all kind of has to shake out for me to be able to determine how important that was. But the number one most important thing the Reds did in this offseason wasn't the wasn't the hiring of David Bell. It wasn't anything else. 
It was just simply doing nothing. And what do I mean by that? It was letting Billy Hamilton walk. Just let him walk. The guy has not... You've given him... Oh my gosh, what has it been? It's been four years? Oh my God, I'm looking at the numbers right now. It's been five years. You gave Billy Hamilton five good years of playing above 115 games. Um, you know, the best batting average he had over that whole time, excuse me, was in 2016. Somehow he was batting 260. But even when he was batting 260, his on base percentage was 321. That's that's absurd. That's a joke. It's inexcusable. You can't have it in your lineup. Billy Hamilton was unbelievable for the fans. He he gave you highlights. He did all these things. But if you're actually trying to focus on winning a building, t- a, a a a promising organization, you cannot have Billy Hamilton getting an out 25 percent of the time at the bottom of your lineup. You just can't do it. For so many reasons, it sends the wrong message to your team. That sends the wrong message to the opponent that you got an out right here. Now, yeah, when he gets on the base pass, they're nervous, but he's not getting on the base paths. It's not happening. Let him walk. Let him get his money. He'll go have. He very well might have a great career and turn around his hitting. As I, I still think he has promise with his with his hitting. All he's got to do is put the bat on the ball. I mean, that speed does enough, but. Um, I just think it was time for the Reds to say, all right, we're in the building mode now. We don't need guys who are here to bring fans in the ballpark. We need guys who are producing. And I I can honestly say from an offensive standpoint, I personally don't believe Billy Hamilton was very much of anything. I I think many people would obviously agree with me, um, was, was very much of anything, um, for his offensive career in Cincinnati. But, I wish him the best in Kansas City. Um, you know, I think I think it'll go well for him out there. I think it's a good market for him. I think he's got a new rejuvenation. But that was by far for me the best move the Reds have made this offseason. If they would have picked up someone a little better than Sonny Gray, this, he probably that wouldn't have been number one. Um, it probably would have been whoever they picked up. Um, but. Uh, you know, we'll see how that all falls out. I would, I'd be surprised at this point if the Reds go after anybody. Maybe uh, if they can get a deal for Keuchel, or um, I don't, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to talk about that next week when I get into the pitching stuff. But uh, I, I see the Reds as pretty comfortable right now, and they kind of want to play the market at this point. Um, but anyway, so that's that's uh, that's what I got for the Reds this week. Um, we'll. we'll Real quickly, I just want to do a few things around baseball. Um, two quick things about the two big free agents. Um, I read the other day um, about Harper visiting San Francisco. Um, and I think that fits. I think that fits for his personality. I think Golden, the Golden State Warriors story is a big deal for him. I think Silicon Valley, he's a guy who very much wants to be marketed. He's very young, hip. He likes being, you know, he's a... You you could consider him a money mogul for me, Harper. Uh, I think he he sees the 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 opportunities out um, in Northern California, um, so I wouldn't be surprised to see Harper goes there. That's where I have my money on with him right now. And then Machado, um, man, I don't know what to make with Machado. Um, I think 
I'm going to be comfortable enough saying, in my opinion, he ends up with the Padres, which is slightly psychotic. But he just seems to me, from from all the pe- teams he's talked to, um, you know, the kind of the personality I've read him to be, he seems like he's all about the dollar bills. And can't hate anybody for that. I would never um, rip somebody for trying to get more money. I think that's the, kind of the way the... That capitalism works, people would say. So I don't hate him for it. I just I, I wonder how successful that will all be. And um, to be honest with you, how long he's even there. Um, I could see in a couple years if he continues this tear, someone trading for him, you know, for the last three years of that contract or something like that. So um, I think that's probably where he will end up. But anyway, guys, this has been uh, a pleasure for me. I look forward to bringing you guys some more uh, Reds talk. I'd love to get some uh, questions, feedback, have anybody on um, who I deem, you know, kind of on my level of intelligence, which is clearly a very, very high level. Um, But anyway, next week we'll get into, like I said, some of the pitching. Uh, The new guys, Tanner Rourke, Alex Wood, Sonny Gray. How are these guys going to fit in, and and what would your – uh, rotation order B. Uh, I'll get into kind of where I'd put that at, and uh, well, we'll see with that. Are, and also, are the Reds done? I mentioned it a little bit earlier. You know, it, it seems like if they're going to do something, they're going to have to give up one of these young guys. You know, who would you give up, and who's out there that the Reds really should be targeting right now, if anybody? I'll look into that. And finally, the biggest question I think Reds fans have this offseason is, who is David Bell? <laughs> Who is he? What's his philosophy? What's his background? You know, how how successful might he be? Um, I'll look into some of that stuff uh, here next week on the Reds Pulse. Uh, I plan on putting these out either on Thursday or Friday of every week. Um, So if you don't see one on Thursday, uh, don't worry. It'll be up on Friday. Um, I promise. Um, If you want to follow me... On Twitter, I feel like I should know this right off the top of my head. You know, do people know their Twitter like without even blinking? Um, because I can tell you, I don't. If you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at bs from Brenty three five. You can follow me there. I'm sure I'll be posting some stuff um, on my page as well as creating a a Twitter page for this group. So can't wait to see how this. Uh, podcast expands. Lucky to be a part of the Pulse Podcast Network. A big shout out to them. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, I will see you in a week. Have a good one.